Welcome to the Upbeat Podcast, powered by CoachArt, a show that's dedicated to providing resources for families impacted by childhood chronic illness. For articles, videos, and show notes, visit our platform at theupbeat.coachart.org. Hi, this is Greg, Executive Director of CoachArt and co-host of the Upbeat Podcast, uh, here with our co-host, Roxanne. Hi, I'm Roxanne. I'm the marketing director of CoachArt and also a parent of a child with cancer. Um, which will be our feature today. Uh, but really quickly, to give some more background about CoachArt, uh, a free nonprofit organization that provides arts and athletics to any child impacted by any chronic illness in L.A., the Bay, or San Diego. Uh, if you uh, qualify for the programs and you live in those areas, we encourage you to visit CoachArt.org today to sign up. Uh, but this podcast is intended to focus on the social and emotional issues that parents go through by being the parent of a child with a chronic illness. And so today we've got uh, a, taking a, a, a particularly interesting spin on things in two ways. Number one, we are talking to uh, Roxanne's husband, Mark, who I'll introduce in just a minute. And then number two, uh, we're trying a new model today where we're going to tell three – have Mark tell three different stories and then what the kind of takeaway or the moral of the story, kind of thinking back to fables uh, growing up that all – you know, children's book fables that have a moral. What stories do we have to tell as parents who have gone through this and what are the pieces of advice uh, that we would give to other parents? So without further ado, uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're going to start with uh, the the diagnosis day, which is always uh, the most intense as well. Uh, can you walk us through the diagnosis itself and then the, the time that Elena was in the hospital and what you tried to do to make that time as smooth as possible and advice that you might have for other parents in that regard? Right. So um, there's, there's kind of a lot to chew um, in this topic. Um, so I guess I'll start from the beginning. Basically, um, Elena wasn't feeling great. Uh, she had been complaining of pain in her side. She had what was what we ended up learning was called malaise, where she was just laying around and didn't have much energy and was just kind of out of it. So um, we Roxanne scheduled an appointment for the next day uh, for the, her regular doctor. And uh, in the morning, Elena actually went to her gymnastics camp because it was the middle of summer. Oh, wow. And we had dropped her off at camp, and I went to go pick her up for her appointment. And the people at the camp, you know, said that she was doing everything pretty much normally. You know, she was jumping around and doing her thing. And so we went to the doctor. Um, The doctor felt around the area, and they ran some tests. And the tests were abnormal as far as the blood work and whatnot. And so... They weren't quite sure what was going on, but they knew that there was something not right. So um, they referred us to go to uh, Sunset, Kaiser Sunset, um, in the emergency room. So I drove across town and took her to Kaiser, and we ended up being at Kaiser for must have been seven or eight hours. Um, we were there for a long time. Roxanne joined me after, after a couple hours. Um, the doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. They hadn't run an MRI on her yet. Um, they, they were holding off on doing so. And they finally, you know, they said that they they should just probably go ahead and do that, even though they were lucky to do it. 
um, that's going to be able to give us the best idea of, of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after being at the hospital for quite a few hours, they did an MRI and then we were just, we were waiting around and Roxanne and Elena had actually gone to the restroom and I was just sitting in a chair and then I heard overheard a nurse behind me saying something about Elena being admitted for a week long stay. And immediately that was kind of a, and a surprise to hear that uh, we, were ready to get out of there. we were ready to get out of there and go home. Um, and then a few minutes later, a doctor came and told me that they had found a mass on her kidney. And when you hear that, you don't really register exactly what it means right away until you think for, you know, a minute or so and you realize what he just told you. And then Roxanne and Elena came back from the bathroom and they were, you know, ready to go home. And obviously we didn't get to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was, I told them the news or I don't know if I did or the doctor did or whatever, but basically I don't think Elena obviously didn't understand. I think maybe Roxanne took a minute or two to figure it out as well. Um, so from there it was kind of, that's when kind of the, the pandemonium started. And when you say like, as far as, what to do to take, you know, handle things the right way at that moment in time. You're not, you're not even really thinking about that. It's hard to think straight because no one can, you can't prepare yourself for that situation or how you're going to feel or what you're going to have to do. I just remember I had to, I ran home, um, to get some stuff to pack a bag, I think. And, you know, told my parents and everyone was freaking out. And then you went back to the hospital and they had, you know, they had checked into a room in the hospital. And yeah, I mean, at that time, you don't like it's completely foreign situation to most people and to know how to deal with it. There's really no there's no playbook for that. And um, I guess, you know, in that immediate moment, if there were somebody there, you know, a parent that could kind of calm your fears, that would be ideal. But it's probably not realistic. Right. Um, I do remember, you know, the one thing I remember, I talked, you know, I asked the doctor, I think it was probably the next day. I just, I told, you know, I just wanted to know what the best case scenario would be. And he said the best case scenario would be that she'd be, she ended up, she would be end up being healthy and she'd live a normal life. And in that moment, I, you know, I wanted to believe him, but um, you don't have that confidence in that moment. And so looking back on that now, we were fortunate enough that that's how, it's played out. Um, and so you know, kind of to skip ahead, the biggest moral of the story for, for us is um, just that we're very grateful and understand how lucky we are, uh, how things turned out for us and understand that it doesn't turn out that way for a lot of other people. Um, and to appreciate that and to you know live every day uh, appreciating ha- being healthy and having our health um it's something that i think just by nature people take for granted um but to go through what we went through uh, i don't really feel you know people when you tell people the story that you when we meet new people or whatever we tell them the story um immediately they kind of feel sympathetic for us but the way that i feel is that we're we're blessed that it was you know we we went through a difficult circumstance but we were blessed that things worked out the way they did yeah Absolutely. And that's inspiring. And so how long did Elena end up spending in the hospital from the time that she was diagnosed um, consecutively? Right. So we were in the hospital for a week uh, from the day that she got admitted till the day that she had surgery. Uh, it was three or four days. 
Um, and the hospital there was, was fantastic. I mean, the, the facilities were, were new. Um, we, we kept catching ourselves. We kept calling it a hotel. Um, when we, it was actually obviously the hospital. And so, um, we, we had, the, you know, the facilities were great. The care was great. The support was great. Our family and friends really stepped up and we had a lot of people coming in and out of the hospital. Um, they have a great playground there, uh, at, at Kaiser Sunset in the children's ward. So, uh, Elena was out there playing on the playground with, um, some friends came by with us. Oh, wow. It's, um, it's kind of startling because like, if we hadn't, if we hadn't caught it at the time that we did and kind of, and just let it go, um, those, those few days in the hospital before she actually had the surgery, you wouldn't have really even known that anything was wrong with her. So, uh, we're, we're lucky that we caught it when we did, because if we hadn't, and we just, you know, went along our normal life, uh, it's hard to tell what would have happened, uh, how much it might've spread. Um, if we wouldn't have nipped it in the bud when we did. And, uh, you know, the doctor said it was a fast moving cancer. So, um, it might've only been in her body for a few months. And so if we would have waited any additional time, if things could have turned out differently, uh, it was a, the, the tumor on her kidney was the size of a grapefruit, which, uh, if you can imagine for a six year old girl, um, you know, that was, it was a pretty big tumor. Um, so she was in the hospital for, um, you know, a few days. And then I remember, uh, Roxanne remembers this as well, I'm sure, but when we, when we had to drop her off to the operating room, that was a very difficult time. Mm. Um, she was on the gurney and they had given her some, some, um, sedatives, but she wasn't completely out yet. And she was, she was not happy to leave us as they rolled her into the gurney. We obviously weren't happy um you know to leave her and we kind of just collapsed in the hallway and um you know from there it was we waited waited out and they had like a waiting area outdoors and we had a number of family members there and the surgery ended up being like four hours long or so so that was obviously a long four hours um yeah and then from there you know she she we got to see her when she came out and she got you know put um, back in her room and we had more family and friends come by and, um, you know, we were released a few days later. And then once you're released, then you're waiting for the biopsy results uh, so they can, you know, find out what kind of a tumor it or tumor or cancer that it was. Um, if it, you know, if it's aggressively spreading uh, and just kind of what the, what the pathology of the tumor is. And so for a couple of days we were anxiously awaiting that. And then we got the word, um, that, you know, it hadn't spread and they had pretty much gotten it all. Um, the pathology was positive. And so that was a relief. Uh, that was the initial relief of good news. And then from there, it was pretty much just good news along the way. Um, you know, not that it was easy, but looking back at it, uh, we were fortunate that things worked, things went in our favor. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah. And even when it's good news, you know, one of the things that we always hear from parents is just the anticipation before you you know can be really hard. Um, one of the things uh, that that um, 
we wanted to, if you could uh, spotlight and, and talk about, is when you took over going to the follow-up appointments. Um, I think Roxanne had mentioned that it was after a few years, she was the person who, who primarily was going to these major follow-up appointments, and then you sort of stepped into that role. What did you think about walking into those for the first time, and, and any advice in, you know, even when it's good news, in the process leading up to it, when, when it's, you don't know what the news is going to be? Uh, any advice that you have for parents in that uh, going through those situations? Right. So she went. She took Elena when it was the harder time. When you know when she was going through the the chemo th- uh, treatments, and I went a couple of times. So I, I you know got the feel for how those were. Um, but Roxanne did the majority of those treatments, and um, you know the, the difficult part of those treatments is. You see, you see other families and kids that are coming to get their treatments, and then sometimes they stop showing up. And um, you know that when you when you wrap your head around that, um, that's that, that's pretty somber. And again, you're you're grateful for having a, a good result for yourself. Once I started taking her for the um, you know majority of the the, the follow ups, it, it was easier at that point because it wasn't the chemotherapy; it was just the scans and the blood work and seeing the doctor and everything was, you know, we always got good news. So it was more of just a, um, it was more of a formality almost to kind of just take her, get the good news. Everything's all good. And you check it off your things to do list. Um, and so again, being with that being the case, we're very fortunate that that's how it worked out. Um, but the thing that sticks with me is just, like I said, understanding that other kids that were there aren't as fortunate and when you're you know the the office is located right on on sunset boulevard you know first or second story and in that you know oncology office for pediatrics it's a very um humbling and a lot you know a lot of sadness in there and right there on the street if you walk out the street you have hollywood you know hollywood sunset boulevard you know crazy Mm -hmm. crazy place um but you know, just a few feet up in this building, you have a completely different world existing. So um, it's a bit surreal. It was a bit surreal to kind of grasp the contrasting worlds that are occurring in a very small space. Um, And uh, people that are on the street having no idea, you know, what people are going through just right above them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, that's a powerful idea. Um, and even when you have a really positive journey, you know, chemotherapy, even when it's really successful, is is an incredibly arduous process to go through, uh, both physically and and emotionally. Um, uh, can you tell the story of when when Elena did uh, start to experience hair loss, um, and uh, you know, you all decided to that she was going to shave her head? What what you did in solidarity and sort of advice that you give again, sort of taking that into broader advice that you have for parents dealing with some of those social and emotional elements along the way. Yeah, so when Elena was going through her chemo, Roxanne was also pregnant at the time, so um, there were mornings when there was a lot of vomiting going on in the house and that um, obviously you know in the moment it wasn't easy looking back on it you can you can uh you know you can you can appreciate that again things worked out good so we don't have a lot to complain about but um yeah i mean her losing her hair was was difficult um we still you know we have pictures of her 
when she had lost all her hair and pictures of her with, you know, with me, with my head shaved, but it almost wasn't even like a, a, a decision. It was just like, well, she's got no hair. I might as well have no hair either. And it, it wasn't, you know, it was just kind of the right thing to do. Um, and we were lucky enough that, you know, she, the day that she had chemo, she might've missed that day of school or the, or that afternoon, but she was always able to go back to school the next day. And so she didn't really miss a lot of school. The most touching part about um, that time now is that I still have pictures on my phone of when she had lost all her hair. And when you look at those pictures of her, you know, at six with no hair and her face, she was pretty gaunt. Um, and then you look at her now and it's just like, it, it's, it's just amazing to look at the two, the two different pictures and, um, and see, you know, how that could be the same person. Obviously, you know, kids grow up, but like, but it's just the, the, the startling visual of her with no hair and, and so such a skinny looking face. Um, and now she's, you know, 13 and she's five foot seven and she's got a strong muscular body and she's got, you know, very, you know, a head full of very long hair. Um, and is a great I think it, uh, it soccer speaks, player and coach yeah. art soccer. I've heard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it just speaks to kind of the theme of what I've been saying about how grateful and how blessed we were through the whole process. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that we are particularly hoping to achieve with this podcast, and one of the reasons I'm, I'm so grateful uh, that you joined us today, is really that theme that's run all throughout what, what you've been saying, where from the time that the doctor told you, well, here's what the most positive outcome could look like, it was really hard to envision. And at every step from where you started at the beginning of this conversation to, to where you just ended with where Elena is today, it probably gets a little bit easier for a parent to envision what a successful outcome might look like. But hearing for any parent who's going through that journey right now, who's listening, hearing you and where you are today in it is probably incredibly inspiring and helps them color in what that vision of success could look like. Yeah. And, I, you know, we, we also took kind of took for granted that there were all these different charities and um, services at our disposal. And those it's, it's really great that that exists out there. Uh, people really don't know kind of what to, what to do during during that kind of a time. It's a whole new world to them. So to have those kind of organizations like CoChart out there. Um, that offer support to families and are asking for nothing in return is, is pretty amazing. Uh, we definitely took advantage of that. Um, we, you know, we still continue to. You mentioned Elena's soccer classes, and she had she's done a bunch of the the other stuff um, through the years. She's taken advantage of singing classes, and, and people can definitely um, appreciate that, that that there are those kinds of programs at their disposal in, in a time when um, they, there's so much else to think about that that can kind of help them to kind of have have the, the confidence that their children um, can still be active and, and do things and um, take advantage of such great programs. Well, thank you for saying that. And and not just for CoChart, one of the things that we want to accomplish with the Upbeat is for more parents to know about all of the organizations that exist. And so we've been featuring different organizations for any parent who's listening. Uh, on the upbeat.cochart.org, uh, we constantly are, are trying to shine the spotlight on all of the amazing organizations that exist out there. And so we would invite folks to visit the site and um, and check out not just CoChart, but but every everybody who's out there doing really great stuff. 
Mark, thank you again so much for joining us. It really is. Um, it means a lot that you would uh, share share what you've shared, and um, you know, hopefully, it it is inspiring for folks. And we're just really grateful as well. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for uh, being on the hot seat for us. You can find more content like this at theupbeat.cochart.org, where we have blog posts, podcasts, and YouTube clips, as well as a Facebook group that you can join and share your own helpful advice with other families who are dealing with social and emotional questions about kids going through chronic illness. So we hope to see you there. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.